I have just a short word. I don't think that I could get up here today and not discuss what has happened to the people in Connecticut. And as I, and I, I mean, having young children myself, and many of you have young children, today we filled our stage with young children. We live in a world that, that, that is not like what it was when I was a little boy. And some of you that are a little more mature than me, I'm sure it's very different than when you were a child. I, I know when I was growing up, even 45 years ago, you know, about five years old, I remember my mom and dad didn't really have to even lock their car. Does anybody remember them days you'd just leave the house and nobody'd run in your house and steal from you? Anybody but me, I remember them days. I mean, that's only 45 years ago. And, and today we live in a society where somebody could walk into a, and I'll be ginger and, and gentle because I don't know who's listening and what you've said to your children, and I certainly don't want to reveal things you haven't. But you, people walk into schools and theaters and, uh, and do things that we couldn't even imagine. I think part of it comes from the fact that, that, uh, that maybe that we have, you know, I know these games. You know, they say this young man was a, a huge gamer and that he would play violent games. You know, I don't even let my children play those games. I remember I got Stephen a, 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 a Spider-Man game on the iPad. And, and every time I'd let Stephen and Brian play that game, they'd go to school and get a yellow. And I realized this game was influencing my children. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and so I had to take that away so I don't let them play that kind of stuff. But they say this guy, so it could be the games, you know. Maybe he played a lot of games and, and then it messed with his mind. I know that they say that he was maybe something was wrong with him mentally or whatever. Um, then they also, you know, the, the guns. We know that guns, you know, I don't think that the uh, founding fathers here in America envisioned one day that, that individuals would hold assault rifles. I just, I just don't think that. Um, and I, I don't know what you can do about all that, but we as a nation are facing that, and if in the coming weeks, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of discussion about, about guns. I'm sure of that, and there should be. I think we should discuss it. I don't know what the solutions are. I believe that we, that, that we live under a constitution that, that has a right in it, but, I mean, what, what does that mean, and how do we live under that right? How do we deal with that? So that might be a discussion. We might talk about parental guidance. We might talk about how, how to raise a child, maybe the involvement of parents and children. We might talk about education. We can talk about what the school system has or has not done. And so those are all the things that we're going to discuss in the coming weeks. And we all know, I mean, if we all, if any one of us in this room cannot imagine the horror that awaited those individuals, those parents of those children, you know, to have dropped, I, I think every morning I take my child and drop him off at the school. And I expect to go back that afternoon and pick him up, safe. How many of you expect that? I want you to realize what God has given us here at Family Worship Center. What a, what a blessing this church is. Amy and I, Amy being a teacher, she was teacher of the year twice, uh, once in Florida and once here in South Carolina. She was both at both different schools that she taught at. She was teacher of the year, taught many of the children that actually go to our church and have graduated and gone on. We go around town all over the place and some parent will come and talk about their child being an honor student or talk about how their child is excelling and will thank her for those first few years because she taught first, through first and third grade. And so she, most of these kids came up and she, she got them uh, excited about learning. And so, you know, having that in my house, obviously, with our kids, we spend a lot of time 
working on reading, and she's just an educator. That's just her thing. Even over there with your kids, she's educating all the time. But that draws home to us even greater the responsibility. She had such a feeling about this, you know, and it comes into my house because of her feelings about it. Um, and, and, but, uh, you, know, you know, just you're, you're entrusting. But as a church, we've put a lot of emphasis in our kids. One of the things that we've done here at Family Worship Center that is highly different and highly important to us is that the kids aren't just babysat on Sunday morning. Not any room in this church where you put a child will they just be in there sucking a bottle watching a movie. We've got a curriculum and we've got something to teach them. If you've taught CNO or you've been in CNO, you know those little children learn. I go into my at night with my little girl. And from, from the very beginning, she would do the God. So those of you that have kids know what I'm talking about. Loves me. I mean, and just look in that mirror and God made me special and rub her little Bible on her face. I mean, we've just, we, we have a church that has emphasized children. And those of you that maybe you're looking for a church today, I guarantee you one thing. I guarantee this. If you bring a child to this church, they'll learn about Jesus. And they will be praying for you when you're sick. And they will be praying. There's a difference about what these kids learn. They'll be, they'll, they will be the ones teaching you faith. How many of you have had, your, you go home and your child correct your speech? Sure you have. Have you had that, brother? Have you had that, Michelle? Yeah, they'll come. What are you talking about? God doesn't say things like that. And know about tithing and giving. I'm mean, amazing what they learn. And they'll never have the problems we have. But the emphasis on children. One of the things God put on my heart early was that we had to pray for our children. Right along, just the other day, the Lord began to speak to me on a Sunday night about watch and pray. How many remember when the Lord spoke to me about that watch and pray, watch, and pray. There was a watchman, a need to be a watchman. I don't know what was going on. I have no idea. But the Lord had put it upon my heart to watch and pray, watch. And so I sensed that that's what we needed to do was be cautious and watch. And you know, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. But we pray over our schools all the time. Every year we do back to school where we lay hands on our, on our educators and everyone involved, the teachers, the students, hundreds and hundreds. One of the largest services we have every year is people coming to get prayer. Listen, I have a feeling in this beautiful town of Connecticut, very wealthy, very wealthy area, very wealthy, that they never once mentally ascended to the point to believe that a 20-year-old man would walk in with assault rifles and mow down the children in their school. Your mind can't comprehend that. Now, when I started thinking about what I've been teaching lately, I wanted to add to that because I've used John 10.10. 10. And while, while we're on this, I want you to turn over there in your Bibles where we've been. I want you to, to go with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. There will be all kinds of discussions. There will also be people, religious people. They'll get on television and they'll say something like, this was the judgment of God. And I hope you will be mad and say, what is wrong with you? Because that is not the judgment of God. That was a foolish idiot that went into a school and did a horrendous act. And we can find from this scripture, surely we can find the meaning of why this occurred. There are parents that are going to go home today and ask God why. 
They're wondering why. Why my child? I mean, Johnny was standing next to Susie, and Susie's not with me, but Johnny's. And they're going to try and make reason and sense of why. And if we as the church don't teach it right, and don't explain it right, and don't help people to understand, we will have defaulted them, and we will have faulted them and hurt them into believing something that isn't true. And they'll wonder why God would do such a thing. Why would God allow such a thing? You see, God didn't do it, and God didn't allow it. Look at somebody and say, God didn't do this. The Bible says that the thief, look at somebody. See, you don't understand. God puts these things on my heart. See, this isn't just some pastor getting up here looking for messages to preach on a Sunday. When I go into my prayer closet and seek the Lord, God gives me a word. And sometimes people think it just comes out of my head or out of my emotions. But I'll tell you before God, I've gone before the Lord and said, what do you want me to say? And the last few weeks, God has had me to say something and prepare our church for something. And then people sit there sometimes and they go, well, you know, I don't understand. We've heard that for the 50th time. Thank God we heard it the last three weeks. So that you could know, that you could know sure and have an assurance and a knowledge on the inside of you that the thief, the thief, the thief, look at somebody and say the devil. Do you get that? It's the devil that came to steal. It's the devil that came to destroy. And it is the devil that came to uh, 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 kill. This senseless act, this terrible thing, this calamity that has come, catastrophe that has come, is the seedbed of the devil. It came straight out of a heart of evil. It was devised out of an evilness, and it was the devil inside of some individual that did this thing. But aren't you glad for the last part of that scripture? But I came. Look at somebody and say, but Jesus came. Thank God for Jesus. But Jesus came. But Jesus came. That you might have life and have life more abundantly. God sent Jesus to give us life beyond what we could ever dream. God sent Jesus to restore what the devil has taken. God sent Jesus. In this type of a situation, I pray that they know Jesus because the Bible says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Yes, we grieve. But what would it be like, excuse me, did you see those cat-like reflexes? What would it be like, what would it be like to grieve without Jesus? I don't even want to imagine life without him. I don't even want to. I, I mean, it's been hard sitting at home. I've turned this out of my mind. I don't want to think about it. And I think most of you would do the same thing. You know it's a news story. You know it's out there. But to imagine it, to put yourself in that place, I just don't know how you would cope. Or why, let me put it this way. I don't know why you would want to cope. With a, with a situation like this, or any, without Jesus. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, why don't you know him? Why haven't you made him part of your life? 
If he came to give us abundant life, and it's the devil that came to steal that from us, then I would want the one who gives life in my life. I, I want to read this. Listen to this. This is coming from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus was on this wise. And when, as his mother, Mary, was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary as thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall, you shall bring, bring forth a son, and call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with us. Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord bidded him, and took unto him Mary his wife, knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. The scriptures tell us that names are important. We know that Jesus meant Jehovah, or it came from Yeshua. It, it, it's, it's out of a typical, there, there are things in the Bible called types. If I were to go back to the Old Testament, I could find where there was an example of, a, of something God used natural situations to express to us spiritual things. You know, the promised land was a type uh, of heaven and the promises of God. Uh, different things in the Bible, you know, would represent different things. The way they would place things, like, like, like how they encamped the people uh, around the tabernacle. There was the tabernacle of David, and they would put different, different uh, groups of families uh, near certain places. Like Judah was at the entrance of the, the, the tabernacle gate. And the reason Judah was there was because the word Judah means praise. And there was an example there. The type is that... That, and the Bible says that Jesus came from that tribe, the tribe of Judah. The, that, that's what they said, the lion from the tribe of Judah. Meaning that, that to get to God, to get into the Holy of Holies, to get in the presence of the Lord, you had to go through Judah. A type showing us that you had to go through Jesus and Jesus also Meaning praise, that the lion of the tribe of Judah, praise, would bring us into the entrance of the, of the Lord. Pray. You know, you, the Bible says, the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. We praise Jesus and we worship the Father. We honor the Holy Spirit. Some people don't even know that. They don't, they've never been taught that. They don't have any idea. But we don't worship Jesus. We praise Jesus. He came from the, because it's what he has done, is doing, and will do. See, Jesus is an active part of God in the Holy Spirit. And so there's activity. He brought us healing and health and prosperity and blessing. And so that's why we have praise. Worship is different. When I worship God, I just worship him for who he is. But to get to the point where I can know him for who he is, to get into the presence of God, I got to come through an experience. I got to know, I got to have some praise. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I got to have gone through where I was a sinner saved. 
and Jesus redeemed me and washed me with his blood. And so I've got something. That's why I talk about, you know, see, if you don't understand, you don't get how to get to God. How can you get to God unless you come through praise? Why people stand there with their arms folded. They look at you. You say, come on, let's praise God. They got no clue. Nobody's ever taught them. They don't have any idea. If you're going to get it, some people try to worship without praise. You can't worship without praise. Unless you've had an experience, unless God has washed you in his blood and redeemed you from your sins and transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you can't worship a holy God because you don't have, you're not in a position to worship a holy God. How could you ever come into the throne room of God unless you had first come through the praise of Jesus? First, you first. Oh my goodness. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? That's why when you see me up here doing this, when you, you don't know where I came from. You don't know what I come out of. You don't know what God did for you. You ain't got no idea what it took to get me to here. You got no idea. Not only that, you got no idea where I'm trying to get to. I don't want to just stay here. I want to get to. I want to get up in the presence of God. I want to get up in the glory of God. I want to go to a deeper place. I'm not satisfied with a shallow experience of just, just look what God did for me. I want to know him. And I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the presence in the firmament of his glory. I want to know him. The hour cometh and now. So we come through types. The Bible's filled with them. I loved studying types. What did it mean for the, the ephod, the bottom of the robe of Jesus? What did those balls mean? People don't even realize that Jesus wore a garment with balls on the bottom. When the woman came with the issue of blood, if you know the story, the Bible says that a woman had an issue of blood many years, had seen many physicians and grown none the better. But she said in herself, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I just know I'd be made whole. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. You see, if you don't get the picture there, if you don't understand the picture, you'll miss the point. It wasn't just touching somebody's clothes. There was a representation there on the bottom of the garment that Jesus robe had little balls on the bottom. And each one of those balls represented the word of God. She was saying, if I can touch... No, you don't get it because Jesus became flesh. The Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Not only was she touching what represented the word, the Bible said, that's why the power of God came out of him because it wasn't just a robe with words on the Bible. The word was standing there. The word of God was standing right there in front of her. If I could just touch the word of God, I know. <laughs> oh, I just love that. I love that. I love that stuff. Oh, if you don't know God is real, you just got to do a little bit of digging, a little bit of studying. You're going to find out you can't make that stuff up. You can't make that stuff. You can't figure that out in your head. It either is or it isn't. I'm telling you, it is. And these names meant a lot. Somebody looks at me and says, that man's handsome. And he shall be called handsome. My name is still Steve McCart. 
We were told in Isaiah that a child would come and his name would be called Emmanuel. Of course, they didn't name him Emmanuel. You might be sitting there thinking, well, they didn't name him Emmanuel. Was that a... No, it was the same thing as them saying, handsome. It was an attribute given to him to represent what his name would mean. That way, when you said Jesus, you knew you weren't just saying Jesus. You were saying more than Jesus. That, that, that it was more than just Jesus. It wasn't just Jesus. I mean, there are people in the world called Jesus today. I've known a Jesus. Anybody here know a Jesus? How you doing, Jesus? I've called on Jesus before. He ain't done nothing for me. So Jesus can't do nothing. It's not just the name. But we had to understand that there was something to the name of Jesus that wasn't the same as Jesus. There was something that happened with that name, with that person. See, he would be called Emmanuel. And, and, and Emmanuel means God with us. So when it said, when we say Jesus... And we invite Jesus into our life. And we invite, when, when we worship, G, when we praise Jesus, when we, be, we are saying we're praising the God that's with us. Not just the one that's looking down on us or not just the one that was beside us or not just a God that was, you know, uh, cared about us, but a God who was in it with us. God that's in it. <laughs> you don't get what I'm talking about. God that got in the mess with us. God that got in the middle of it with us. God who stepped out of heaven and stepped into it with us. God who walked with us. God who went through it with us. God who's going to be there. Don't you get it? Don't you see that's who Jesus is? He's not just beside you. He's not just around you. He's not above you or beneath you. He is. <laughs> yes, because those families, if they could know the Jesus, that's not only God, but a God. I was driving down the road with a guy one time. We were driving down the road. We come up. These guys with hoods, they look rough. And my buddy decides to roll down the window and yell out, Jesus loves you! I don't know what they heard, but that ain't it. They started chasing us around town. And I'm telling you, they weren't chasing us just for the fun of it. They were going to beat us up. No doubt about it. I'm like, go, go, go. Get me out of here, man. They're going to kill us. And all of a sudden, he says, he starts pulling over to this gas station. And I'm like, are you crazy? Don't you realize they're going to kill us? Why are you pulling over at this gas station? And he looks at me and says, I'm out of gas. <laughs> now, of all times? I mean, couldn't you be out of gas at another time? Why not? We get out. He's shaking. And these guys are pulling up. The, they're jumping out of the car. And this, this dude, I'm talking, oh, he gets out and he's all muscled up. And I mean, they're all slicked up, looking like they've been to hurt us. They got stuff. You know what I mean? Stuff. And the guy says, what'd you say? I'm thinking, am I with him? 
he's standing out there with the gas holes, you know. So I thought, well, I, I got to get out with him. So I got out with, you know, there's a difference between being in the car. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get you to understand the difference between with us. If he's going down, I'm with him. If they're going to jump him, they're going to have to come through me. I wasn't much to come through. Back then, I was a little thinner than I am now. And they were big. Anyway, he starts shaking. He looks over and says, oh, Jesus loves you. The guy says, oh. They got back in the car and drove off. I thought, boy, look, God is with us. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? God is with us. I said, what were you going to do, man? He said, I was going to squirt them with gas. <laughs> God's not above us. He's not around us. He's not under us. He's not far from us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with. You may not know this, but you know, Moses was a type of the law. He was an indication of the law to us. If you looked at the book of Hebrews, you would see in the book of Hebrews that the book of Hebrews is written to describe for us what Jesus is better than. The entire book deals with Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the judges. I mean, it goes on and on. The whole book and maybe, maybe now that you'll read Hebrews, you'll see, and this time when you read it, you'll see he's trying to tell us, the author's trying to discuss for us and show us that Jesus is better, better. And Moses was a representation of that law. And so we have Moses coming up to the promised land. He can't go into the promised land. He erred before he got to the promised land. The Bible says that he said some things and did some things that caused him to be, re that, that he was repelled or resisted from going into the promised land. He led the people of Israel out of the, the, the bondage of Egypt. He led them as far as he could lead them and he led them to the, to the gates of promise, but he couldn't walk them through it. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And then Joshua comes up behind him. And the Bible says Joshua had, had held his arms up and carried him with, and worked with him was, was, was the Bible said his, his, uh, his armor bearer or his servant, the servant of Moses. But, but listen, Joshua takes over and when Joshua walks into the middle of the river, it parts and he walks the people through years later, into the promised land. Now, now if, you, if you understand that Jesus comes from the word Yeshua. Yeshua is a derivative or the word that comes from Joshua. Now, you're sitting here, some of you, 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 if you only took the time to study the precious word of God, how much joy could you really get out of it? Now, let me give you this, okay, because you may not have ever seen this. Moses, the law, couldn't take them in. Yeah, some of you are like, oh, that's good. <laughs> Moses could not bring them to the promise. He could not walk them into their destiny. He could not because it failed at the gate. 
it failed the test. But Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, don't you get it? That's the representation that what the law could not do, what you could not do in yourself, what your works could not enable you to do, what your power cannot make a way for you, what will not bring you through is something you do. That's why the works of the flesh profit you nothing. It's not by works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing. Of the water, of the see, it, you have to understand, it is Jesus, the grace of God, who has been able to not only bring us to the river of promise, but to walk us in. Amen. What could not forgive our sins was the law, or your own works, or your own goodness. You can't earn your salvation. You can't do good enough to have salvation, but just Yeshua can walk you right in. Let me give you another one, Hosea. Hosea was a, an example for us. Hosea married a girl, beautiful girl, beautiful girl named Gomer. I didn't say she had a beautiful name. I just said she was a beautiful girl. And Gomer got married to Hosea. Hosea and Gomer had some problems, so Gomer decided to become a whore. She went out into the streets and sold her body. She went out into the world. She became a temple whore. Paid for sex. She did every kind of evil sexually you could do. She betrayed him in ways that nobody would put up with. And yet Hosea still loved her and went into the worst part of town. I'm talking about went to the dregs, went to the mess, went into the worst place you could go humanly possible and found his gomer. This Jesus even though you and I went into the world and committed the most vile. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. In that while you were yet a sinner, I mean, do you get the type? Do you get the type? In that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you in the middle of your sin, in the worst place of your life. He loved you and comes hunting for you. He's looking for you, he wants you, he wants you, he wants you. You're his gomer. For all his sin, but he laid on him the sin of the entire world. Don't you understand how much he loves you? When we sing a song like, oh, how he loves us. You've got to understand, you don't deserve it. You've done nothing for it. You may have cursed him. You may have sit there and said, I don't want nothing to do with that Jesus. 
And Jesus is still looking in the worst place for you. He's still looking for you to come home. He's still waiting on you to open the door and let him in. He's still there calling your name. He's still begging for you to come home. He's still crying out, come home. When I mess up, he's still faithful. Oh. Still faithful and just. And he will never change. When you think about your life and you think about the other day, what you did, he's still calling your name. He's still looking for you at the door. When I was little, my mom would, you know, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, my mom would wait at the door when I didn't come home on time. She'd give me a curfew at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock. If it was 10.05, she was sitting in the chair by the door till I got to the door waiting on me to come home. And that's how I see Jesus. When I went out into the world, he sat at the door waiting for me to open it. Oh, man, what a Savior. Emmanuel, God is with us, not just beside us. And he shall be called wonderful. Oh, wonderful. If people could know him. See, this is why I said, how did you fall in love with Jesus like this, Pastor Steve? How did you get? I fell in love with his word. I fell in love with a deeper place that I could go. I'm not so interested in, in, in the little dab will do you and how little of Jesus I can have and be saved. I've never understood why someone would live there. Why live on the edge of Christianity? Why live on the edge of just enough when there's so much more? Yeshua, Moses, Hosea, Listen to this. The word Emmanuel actually means a little bit more. It says this. God is with us to protect us and to save us. God is with us to protect us and to save us. Literally, it means, speaking of Emmanuel, it means this, that People would not destroy God's presence. God's is, God is with us. The birth of Jesus was going to come and bring Jesus or God's presence to the earth. God incarnate would come. The word would become flesh and dwell among us. Now listen. I read yesterday that not only was there a young man who was going to do what he did in Connecticut, but there was a second man. The second man was in Oklahoma. Did anybody see the report? He had bombs, guns, and he had plans to go into a school in Oklahoma and do the same thing on the same day. I, I, I can't prove this. I, I can't, I can't. But I want to believe this. I want to believe this is true. This, this Emmanuel, the God that is not only with us, but he's with us to protect us and to save us. Is it possible 
that the God that we serve could reveal that before it happens? Is it possible that if people got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in a Holy Ghost church like this one was full of teachers and, and, and law enforcement and parents that were praying and in the presence of God that a tragedy like that knowing it came from the devil could have been diminished or averted you see I want to tell you I believe it could because Jesus Emmanuel the one who came not only to save us but the one who came to protect us the Holy Spirit that said I will lead you and guide you into all truth you see I'm asking you this morning and I'm preaching a message this morning to tell you I'm not just looking to seek a Jesus that's just going to save me although I'll take it I don't know anybody wants to go to hell I got saved because I don't want to go to hell I think that's kind of funny, but it's true anyhow. I don't want to go to hell. That's one of the reasons I got saved. But you know one of the other reasons I got saved? Because I believed that I didn't just serve a God who was near me, under me, above me, or beside me. But I serve a God who's with me. See, I want to, I, I'm believing God to raise up a church that will pray for our schools that will pray for our teachers, that will pray for our firefighters, pray for our ambulance drivers and our ambulance companies, pray for the first responders. Fill this church with first responders and policemen. Fill this church. You say, how many people you want to get saved in Florence? All of them. How many do you want to come to Family Worship Center? All of them. Because if I could get all of them here, you say, really, that's your goal? Yeah. What, what other goal would you have? Because if I could influence, just imagine if every police officer came to Family Worship Center. You think crime would be down? I do. And I was praying with them and influencing them. And we were holding hands and seeking God together and asking God for their protection and safety and wisdom. What if, what if every firefighter or every teacher came to Family Worship Center? And I'm, not, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, I'm partial to my church. Don't feel bad. I mean, there are other churches. I'm not suggesting we're the only one. I'm just saying I like mine. I think y'all feel that way about your family. You go to your house, you like your house. I like my church. God called me to this church. It's what he called me to do. And I believe everybody ought to come here. If you don't believe that, you should quit. I don't, you know, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. I'm about to switch parties because I hate to lose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If I was on their team, I'd try and get on another one. I don't want to be on losers. Unless we can pick up some winners, I'm getting out of here. You understand what I'm talking about? And so I'm just suggesting to you that if our influence was so big as Christians and our influence was so large that we could touch the government and the teachers and all the students and all, I wonder, I wonder, is the problem guns? Is the problem the games? It might be a part of the problem. The real problem is the moral problem. The real problem is that Jesus isn't in our school. The real problem is we took prayer. Listen, I don't care what your political persuasion is. The bottom line is that with Jesus at the center of it, it changes everything. 
We need more of Jesus. We need him in every nook and cranny of every business, of every educational institution, of every place we go. It's not the guns. It's not the games. It's not, it, look, if every parent was in the house of God teaching their kids, they wouldn't be with those games and those guns. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. If we could get every crack dealer in the house of God saved, we wouldn't have problems with drugs. Do you understand what I'm talking about? If saved people stopped going to the crack houses, they wouldn't have nobody to sell to. What we need is the God that is with us to save us and protect us.